بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد We have been discussing reaching the level of servitude and the level of siddiqiyah These are various different ranks in the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To understand and to master anything you have to break it down to its individual components and then you have to master those individual components then only can you master the thing as a whole so when you take the example of football or you take the example of biking something simple biking is not just jumping on a bike and then riding there's if you want to master biking there's several components to biking one of them is uh, how much effort you put in pedaling how the gears work uh, both the different the back gears the front gears um, various different types of gears braking even using the brakes because the back brake uh, if you use it uh, if you use it improperly you could sk you could skid right and if you use the front brake improperly you could actually somersault off but then the front brake is actually stronger than the back brake it's more powerful so to understand that um, for somebody who's going to understand braking, braking when you're going around a turn, braking, sudden braking, all of these have to be mastered to be a good biker. The best way to adjust the gears when going uphill, uh, best way to do things when you're coming downhill. You have to individually master all of these things and break it down to those portions. So for example, with regards to braking, it says that you should, if you really want to brake fast, you need to use 40% of the front brake and 60% of the back brake to keep the balance. Otherwise, too much of one or the other could go wrong and make it worse. So likewise in everything. It's likewise in everything. So now what they're saying is, what we're speaking about here now is that the author Imam Dardi Rahimahullah is discussing the path that leads to the station of pure servitude. We're all servants, something we can't deny, but we don't act like servants and we don't play the part. We forget that. So he's telling us the way to get to that. So he says, وَلَا يَسْهُلُ الْوُصُولُ إِلَيْهَا عَادَةً إِلَّا بِمُدَاوَمَةِ ذِكْرِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ لَيْلًا وَنَهَارًا if you think that you could give bay'ah to a shaykh or attend a majlis or be part of a, a group and then suddenly you're going to be put onto an escalator or a lift or, or an elevator or even a rocket and you don't have to do anything, right? Then that's grossly wrong, right? You still have to climb the steps. They just tell you which steps to climb. So here he's saying that there is no easy way to gain this level of servitude generally speaking because with Allah's mercy and karama Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could give somebody a, a special ticket but generally in general he says it's very difficult it is not easy to reach the station of servitude except with permanence and regularity on the remembrance of la ilaha illallah day and night to repeat La ilaha illallah day in and day out, night in and night out, that is what's necessary. That's the way a person is going to understand their position in this world and solidify their servitude. Otherwise, arrogance will creep in. A person will be very far from feeling like a servant of Allah. 
and not only in their actions but the worst part right which we've seen the worst part may Allah protect is not in action but in belief when that starts affecting a person's belief it means it, it affects the person's iman because when we have less servitude and a person becomes arrogant less dependent on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this feeling of independence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very dangerous then you will start getting confused and shaitan will cause doubts in your belief in your aqidah why is this hadith like this why does it mention is this why is do i have to do this uh, why do i have to pray why can't i eat like this why can't i date why can't i do this why can't i do that these are all signs of the lowness of faith because haya from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be lost modesty and chastity and bashfulness from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it will be lost Haya is essentially, Haya is such an important branch of Islam. It's just one branch of the 77 branches. But it is such an important branch that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned Al-Haya'u min al-Iman. Reason is that Haya fluctuates with Iman. It's, I mean, what they would call in a posh term, concomitant to Iman. Which means that they both rise and, uh, and become lower concomitantly together. When Iman increases, the Haya should increase. And if the Iman decreases, the Haya decreases. If somebody thinks that they have, you know, if somebody thinks that they can call themselves, think that they've got high Iman and they're not exercising, they're not going according to the laws of Haya and modesty, then that's a gross error. That's a gross error. Uh, generally, most people, they refer to Haya as a cloth on your head for women. As though men don't have to have haya. Haya is a lot beyond that, which is to protect the mind, to protect the heart, to protect to protect the actions from anything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want us to do. So it's not just the cloth on the head. That's not enough. That's just an outward manifestation of an aspect of haya. So he says that saying La ilaha illallah over and over again with all of the adab that he mentioned earlier that is what's going to facilitate that's going to give you a bit of an escalation to servitude along with that he says so not only should you be repeating la ilaha illallah for example what we could do is we could make a word that after every salat or if I'm going to the masjid, for example, waiting for prayer, then I'll, I'll do a tasbih of la ilaha illallah. After every salat, I won't move from there until I do it maybe 50 times, 10 times, 100 times, 200 times, whatever is easy for a person. We're going to have to set these goals. Minimum is 100 times a day. That's a minimum. But the more we do, the, the, that is what escalates you. That's what gives you the speed to do that. But along with that, the relationship of the heart, the attachment of the heart must be with Allah alone and nothing else. Actively, we must try to disassociate our heart. Now, don't get me wrong. When you say disassociate our heart, people think of all sorts of things. They think it means just don't do anything. That's not what it means. It means we're still going to eat. We're still going to be meeting people. Right? We're still going to fulfill our responsibilities. We're still going to study. We're still going to have to work. 
but it's just that our heart isn't going to be part of it. There should be nothing that overtakes the heart except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Though in action, we have to do whatever we have to do as people of the world. Today they say that the new addiction is binge watching on Netflix because it gives you access to, I don't know, series of things. So you need to finish them all in the weekend. Over, so then people are stressed at work because, you know, before on TV, you had to wait for the program and if you missed it, you missed it unless you recorded it. But now there's hundreds of channels. That's how satellite TV was. And now it's all on demand. You can literally just wait until the whole series finishes and just watch everything together in three days. Subhanallah. These are all various new forms of addiction. So the heart must never connect to anything like that. Must not never connect to anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And walju'i was sahar. You must remain hungry for the sake of Allah. How do you remain hungry for the sake of Allah? That's by fasting. We've been told how to do that. So don't come up with any new ways to do that. We already know how to do that. There's a way to do that which is fasting. And sahar which means to stay awake at night. To spend portion of the night for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is obviously through your tahajjud prayer and so on. Basically what he's trying to say is that we're going to have to come out of our comfort zone and dedicate that which we love, our sleep, our food, etc. We're going to have to dedicate that to Allah to show that we really mean it. That I'm a servant and I'm not as independent and I think I want to be. And then, We're also going to have to cut away from people for a while. So, our social life, we need a social life. All Muslims need a social life, but it needs to be very carefully chosen. We read in Risalatul Mustarshideen that any friend that you're not benefiting from, religiously speaking, then you need to abandon that friend because he's not truly a friend. So if we can surround ourselves with better people, associate with better people, or we can influence in good, then that's what we must do. Everything needs to be for a good purpose. And trying to remain silent and quiet unless it's for the dhikr of Allah as much as possible. Of course, humans need to speak. That's why we've been given a tongue to speak with. Right? Our tongues are not just for the dhikr of Allah. They are obviously to speak because we need to do our worldly uh, transactions with it. But if that's all we use it for and we never use them for the dhikr of Allah, then that's a problem. Then he says, وَمُلَاحَظَةِ بَقِيَّةِ أَرْكَانِ الطَّرِيقِ الَّتِي سَيَأْتِي بَيَانُهَا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى A person must then also observe to gain this uh, level of ubudiyah and servitude, a person must also observe the remaining integrals and principles of the path, which we'll soon explain later, which we'll soon be explaining. He's going to go through the other principles of the path. Those need to be observed as well, insha'Allah ta'ala. And he says, all of this is called mujahada. This is what you call mujahada. You probably heard the term before. So you see the benefit of this that we're going through is that all of these terms will be put in place now. What is mujahada? This is all mujahada. Mujahada means to exert yourself to take the name of Allah day and night. To associate the heart with Allah, attach the heart with Allah. 
to remain hungry sometimes for the sake of Allah, exercise hunger and spend some of the night for him, to choose our friends wisely and to restrain our tongue. That's what you call mujahada. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, so now this is mujahada, right? What do you get on mujahada? What has Allah promised on mujahada? He says, وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِينَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُلَنَا Those who exert themselves in us, in our path, for us, for our sake, then we will guide them to our paths. Those paths are closed. Those need keys from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They need a smart card. They need a key. They, they need a password. That password can only be unlocked by mujahada. It's like, I mean, today all of these things are so easy to understand that the more you play on a game and then you suddenly unlock certain levels and so on. Right? It's such a cheap example, to, to be honest, right? For such a great thing. But so many people, I mean, because today we have uh, games for adults as well, which people, you know, a few hundred years ago would have probably laughed at, right? But now we have games for adults and there's an addiction, obviously. Uh, medically, that's what's being discussed right now. Now, all of this is an elevation. As soon as Allah opens up paths to you, that's an elevation. That means you're being ascended, right? You're, you're rising up. That's what you call al-musamma bis-suluk. You've heard the word suluk used, right? Suluk, suluk, suluk. So suluk, literally this is this effort that you're making and then you're furthering yourself on the path. That is what you call suluk ila malikil muluk to the king of all kings. This is what you call suluk, which means the path, <coughs> taking the path. Salaka yasluku sulukan, which means to adopt a path and take it. So essentially that's what's happening here. So all of this is what they call journeying in Allah. Right? Then, then there's وَأَمَّا السَّيْرُ إِلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى فَهُوَ التَّوَجُّهُ الْقَلْبِ إِلَى الرَّبِّ مَعَ مُخَالَفَةِ النَّفْسِ فِي شَهْوَاتِهَا وَلَوْ مُبَاحَةً طَلَبًا لِمَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَإِيثَارًا لَهُ عَلَى مَا سِوَاهَ The concept of Sayr, Allah, traveling to Allah, traveling to Allah, that is when the heart becomes... Uh, turns its attention towards the Lord while opposing all the demands of the nafs. The nafs wants to do binge watching. The nafs wants to do a lot of gaming. The nafs wants to just sit back and waste time. Uh, just play football all the time. Or binge watch uh, your highlights of um, your favorite team or whatever the case is. You know, all of these are the various different things that people do. Right? So to go against the nafs, no, I don't want to do that. And I want to focus my heart on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says that if you're really serious, then it's not about just um, opposing the self in haram desires, but also in the permissible desires. So for example, it's permissible to eat out every day. Right, And you think, okay, it's going to save my wife a lot of time. I'm talking to the men. And for the women, they'll say it's going to save me from cooking. Right, If the women are cooking in the house. So let's eat out every day. 
Now, of course, if both people are so, mashallah, involved in the deen, the work of the deen, that they have no time to cook, and they're catering, alhamdulillah, that's fine. That's understandable. Right? But if it's, I'm just indulging every day, I'm going to eat out. And you go to different places like Bombay, Karachi, Dubai, Singapore. These places are known to be food havens because you get all different types of cuisine. So what people do there is they don't eat at home, they just go out and indulge. So there they do it for an indulgence reason because they want to try different cuisines every day. Now you could, I mean you could call that israf maybe but it, otherwise it's permissible to a certain degree. But it's against the normal nature of how Allah wants us to do things. You probably end up with a stomachache eventually with all that rich food anyway. I mean that's just probably not the right way to do things anyway. right? So even permissible things, permissible things like maybe just playing football is permissible. Now playing football for an exercise is good, but then playing too much football because you're addicted to it. You just keep playing football over and over again because you just love the exhilaration it gives you. So it's come out of an exercise right, to stay fit. You're still going to stay fit with it, but that's just an excuse now. Right? You don't have to play every day. To keep going out with the friends. Right? Um, to go outside to the masjid, right, which is a good thing, right? To go to the masjid for, five uh, for your Maghrib and Isha. But then standing outside after Salat and talking until Isha between Maghrib and Isha and, and depriving your family at home. That's mubah, meaning it's permissible. But um, it, it's just a shahwa. It's again fulfilling a desire. In fact, if the only reason you go to the masjid for prayer is because so you meet your friends, then that's a problem. Because I know when we were young, that's what we used to do it for. Because you get to meet with your friends and mess around a bit. But adults do it for panchat reasons, right? In fact, some people join mosque committees purely for that reason. I don't want to judge people, but I know this for sure. Because they only come for meetings. They only come when the salat is with the meeting. They don't come for prayer otherwise. A friend of mine, he, he had an interview. He's a, he's, a, he, he's a scholar. He had an interview with a particular masjid. So they invited him for an interview. This was in another country. They invited him for the interview after Fajr prayer. right? Um, which is quite normal in that country to do it. He got there for Fajr. right? Interview time is after Fajr. He got there for Fajr and nobody is there. Right? So he thought, like, when's the, when's the interview? So he waited and then they all came after Fajr. For the interview. He says, I can't be an imam here, man. So he left. So it's a prestige, a status thing to be part of the committee of a masjid. Though it sounds so great, doesn't it? One has to be very careful. We, in fact, I mean, I don't want to go off on a tangent here. In many of our committees, we've got just placeholders. Right? They've been strategically placed or politically placed or just absolutely wasting their time and wasting everybody else's money and time. Let us not become like that. If you want to do something, do something. If you can't do something, move away and do something else. Because all of this is spiritually a problem. That's what he's saying. It's spiritually a problem. Even if it's mubah, meaning neutrally permissible. Even so. We've only got so much time in the world. Believe me, at every moment of our time, we should be thinking, how am I, I going to benefit myself or somebody else? How can I do something to get sadaqah jariya? How can I do something to elevate my, my status? How can I do something to gain more rewards? For example, let's just say that 
you you had a meeting so you got there and the person comes half an hour late you have to sit there the thing we will generally do is put our phone on and and okay if you have to put your phone on and do some work you know get rid of some email that's fine but if you're gonna just get a tasbih carry a tasbih with you and just said okay fine it's half an hour but you know in this time i can read a bit of quran i've got my quran left to do today or i've got some tasbih to do you must think like this even when you're driving personally i've got uh, a tasbih that's uh, you know on my uh, indicator um, handle it's just hanging there right you need to remind yourself in fact on in biking i've been thinking that maybe i need to get a tasbih Right, because you know what you do, you start your biking and um, you, you start biking and you start thinking, okay, I'm going to start doing a tasbih. You do it and then you get distracted because you have to concentrate. So then you forget, you start daydreaming about something else. But if you've got a tasbih on your handlebar, right, one of those tic-tic ones, one of those uh, electronic ones or those digital ones, then that might be a way. You are going to have to think of things to do to be useful in this life. Right, that's what I'm saying. You have to be. People are creative to facilitate things in this world. We're living in a time of huge innovation, right? Where people are thinking and, uh, you know, look at the patents that are being filed every day for new ideas, right? So, a cycle to speak, right? Because we, why isn't anybody doing that for religious things, for righteous things? I mean, people are, mashallah, right? But that's what we need to do. We really need to think how can we can efficiently do our dhikr and maximize on that. So yeah, keep a, keep a tasbih hanging, you know, on your car, uh, in your car, so that when you're driving, you can, you know, you can drive. I mean, maybe somebody come come with some digital function there as well, I mean, if they want to. But if they do, let me know. That's, that's what, that is what you call Sayyid ilallah, which means traveling to Allah by focusing the heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but, but it has to be while you're opposing the shahawat even if they're permissible ones, the desires, even if they're permissible ones, طَلَبًا لِمَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Why do you avoid all of these things that are distracting you? Because you want to achieve the satisfaction of Allah. That must be your goal. Nothing else. Your goal must be that I'm doing this to satisfy. You see, what Allah really wants in all of this is that you turn to Him. So if, you're, if we are abandoning things, not for the sake of Allah, then we're not really turning to Him. That's not, no benefit. It's only a benefit when you do it for Allah. So you're thinking of Allah. I'm abandoning this because I want to do it for Allah. And giving Him preference, preferring Allah over all else. So this sayr, this traveling, right? To Allah is literally like the like uh, the cause to the suluk that was discussed earlier of then ascending. This is the first level. Basically, he talked about the second level before the first level. The second level is when you start ascending, right? Once you've reached the path. But to reach that path, you need to first oppose the self, even of permissible things, and focus the heart on Allah. That's the traveling to Allah. Then you start elevating yourself. Filla. Right? So, uh, But sometimes the word suluk can be used for either of these two stages. So basically, in conclusion, there are two stages. The first stage is to basically free ourselves from all the distractions and focus on Allah. 
and then once we get close enough Allah will determine that then it, once you've done that mujahada then you start ascending by doing additional additional mujahadat so sometimes they refer to suluk as the second one and sometimes both of them otherwise the first one is what you call sayr traveling to Allah and the second one is the suluk but otherwise this can also be called in fact a lot of the time the first one is called suluk as well because suluk means to travel as well and sayr means to travel as well they both mean the same thing literally speaking um, you see everybody does suluk ilallah everybody takes a path to Allah it's a journey everybody does it right it is the way of the prophets that's what they do it is the way of the siddiqeen uh, the, the champions of truth, those really who verified themselves in front of Allah and of course also the practicing ulama except that for each of those three categories of people the suluk is different right the way of suluk is different for each of them for suluk al-anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam mabda'uhu at-taraqqi min nufusin mutahharatin kamaliyatin ila ma la nihayata lahu min al-maqamat al-ihsaniyya obviously for a prophet they don't need that first section. Right? They don't need the first part because they are nufus mutahara. Their, their nufus, nufus is plural of nafs, right? which means their selves, their souls, their egos, whatever, are already purified. They don't have to do that first part. MashaAllah. So the suluk of the Anbiya alayhimu salat upon them, uh, peace and blessings, their suluk begins from an elevation, uh, begins at an elevation from purified selves, accomplished, completely purified selves, to an infinite level of the various different stages of ihsan, of perfection. Those are just infinite levels that Allah takes them to that we just can't even think about. Only they can experience that. That's a very special category that nobody else gets to go to but they start off at a very high stage already which is that they're already purified and perfected then they just start going up from there to these ihsan states of ihsan right then you have wahiya fi nafsihi mutafawit obviously the levels that they can ascend to it's not just one monolithic level it's not one level it's there's going to be a lot of levels within that but that's up to them. فَسُلُوكُ أُولِي الْعَزْمِ مِنْهُمْ أَعْلَى وَأَجَلْ مِنْ سُلُوكِ غَيْرِهِمْ So even among the Prophets, the أُولُوا الْعَزْمِ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ As Allah speaks about them and gives them that designation in the Qur'an, which is who? Who's the أُولُوا الْعَزْمِ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ The ones of high resolution, a full resolution. Who are they? Ibrahim Musa Isa Nuh These are the famous ones, right? With the Prophet these are the أُولُوا الْعَزْمِ There's a hierarchy, right? There's a hierarchy. Tilka rusulu faddalna ba'dahum ala ba'd. Right? Those are the messengers. We've given some virtue over others. But they're all great. So it's not to denigrate any of them. It's just to show that some have a higher level than others. So he says that the suluk um, of the ulul azm among them, the ones of high resolution, is the highest level of suluk and the most majestic level of suluk compared to anybody else. وَسُلُوكُ السَّيِّدِ أُولِي الْعَزْمِ عَلَيْهِ وَعَلَيْهِمْ أَفْضَلُ الصَّلَاةِ وَالتَّسْلِيمِ وَالسَّلَامِ أَعْلَى مِنْ غَيْرِهِ And even among them there's a hierarchy which is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the suluk of the leader of the ulul azm 
right? Upon him and upon them be the choicest blessings and peace is obviously going to be higher than even the others. Is mabda'uhu Allahu Akbar? Is mabda'uhu nihayatu Because his beginning is where the others have ended or will end. That's the Prophet ﷺ. And you know, I think that's never better encapsulated than Busiri's Burda, where he says amazing things that sound so incredible and they seem like an exaggeration. But if you re- read the hadith at what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, then none of that is an exaggeration. The fact that Musa wanted to see Allah and he was not allowed to, right, in this world. Then the Prophet Muhammad is not only, he's taken up to where no other man has ever been. He's told to meet the Prophets, including Musa And then he goes beyond where even an angel can go. Where Jibreel says, okay, I can't go beyond. And he goes and then meets with Allah and according to Ibn Abbas and others, he actually saw Allah. There's no comparison between him and the other Prophets even. Because then that's what he's saying. I mean, this is what he's claiming. He says that his beginning is where the other prophets end. That's why Busiri says that if you want a comparison, he, the other prophets compared to the Prophet ﷺ is like, you know when you have Arabic writing and you have Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen and you have the vowels on top, the Fathas and Kasras. If you look at the, 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 the relationship between the letter the letters and the vowels clearly the letters are much more significant because you could still read without the vowels for those who understand Arabic it says the prophets other prophets are like the the vowels and he is like the letters that's the comparison this is not to denigrate any this is just to show how high he is they are higher than any other human being can get to anyway and he is higher than them all Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim I mean, this is a Friday. Today is a Friday, and obviously it's a time to do takfir of salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, both the night and in the daytime. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to send His choicest blessings on our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as long as tongues continue to do His praise, and we ask Allah to send blessings on Him as much as He is worthy of receiving the blessings because it's beyond us to be able to fulfill that right. So as much as it is his right to receive the blessings, as much as we should give him blessings, but we can't. So we are then consigning the matter to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give him that blessing. Oh Allah grant him enough blessings as much as all the creation of Allah that has ever existed and will ever exist in this world. وَأَمَّا سُلُوكُ غَيْرِهِمْ فَمِنْ نُفُوسٍ أَمَّارَةٍ أَوْ لَوَّامَةٍ ظُلْمَانِيَّةٍ إِلَى نَفْسٍ كَامِلَةٍ صِدِّقِيَّةٍ As for other than prophets, then we're all in the same category. But then obviously some people will start off a bit better than in others. What is that? He says the suluk of anybody but the prophets is the, the beginning. I mean, this really puts things in perspective. It starts off from the nafs amara or lawama. Which means that we start off at various different levels. We either start off with a nafs which is telling us to do sin, right? To indulge in shahawat, to do this and in, engage in that and enjoy that and enjoy that. So we're either starting from there. And if it's any better than that, then we're, we are 
then going to start otherwise from a nafsul lawama dhulmaniya, a darkened lawama nafs, reproaching self. So as we're still doing wrong, and but at least we've got a nafs that tells us off. I think that generally happens when you're addicted, and then you start, mashallah, Ramadan has come through, or you've been hajj, or you've heard a lecture, or you've read some Quran, or you've, we've maybe confronted some kind of setback or shortcoming or downfall or some kind of accident or some other misery in our life and then we start get thinking all of these things benefit to us and that's why Allah sends them to us that's why Allah sends them that's why they say that you know when you're feeling emotional and you can easily tear then don't waste don't waste that opportunity cry for the sake of Allah we can't do it at other times but if you're emotional, it's your time of the month, right? Or meaning for the sisters or, you know, there's just something else that's happened. Then use that time to do a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a tear. Do that time for a bit of muraqaba with tears. Because it's difficult to muster those tears at other times. And here they're on free flow, so don't waste them. So crying is good. Subhanallah, who's going to tell us that? Crying is good. Don't suppress your crying, just direct it in the right way. Just put it in the right direction. So yes, so for the rest of us, we start off uh, through a nafsul ammara, which is the, inc uh, the inciting self, or the reproaching self, but the dark self. And then we, our suluk goes from there, ila nafsin kamilatin siddiqiyah, to a accomplished, purified siddiqi state of veracity and truth where we become very truthful in our approach to things not just in our tongue everybody's ending then right everybody's higher level of this initial part of suluk before you start the traversing of the second level right everybody's ending will be different in terms of the illumination they will gain that will all be based on the bidaya how the person started and where they were right? and I think that's why Imam Ghazali wrote his final book one of his final books was Bidayatul Hidayah the beginning of guidance right? the beginning of guidance and it's amazing how he sets the tone of the book right from the beginning because that really matters how you set yourself up to go for some people Allah makes it easy, for some people it's difficult. He's saying that if you, if you do more in the beginning by burning right, your nafs and desire, then there's going to be a greater light at the end. The more the effort is in the beginning, there's going to be, because the more fuel you give it in the beginning by burning, then there's more energy that's going to be created at the end. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. These things sound so difficult. They, in fact, I mean, it's easy to comprehend it in theory. But in terms of practice, it can only come with the tawfiq of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed us in this particular generation where we have more distractions than I think in historically the world humanity has ever had before. The Adamic race has probably never had so much distraction. So much means of distraction. Subhanallah. But we're here for a reason. 
we hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala judges us accordingly. Uh, we ask for tawfiq wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakti adal jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghif. Allahumma ya hannanu ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal zalimin. Labbayk Allahumma rabbi wa sa'adayk salawatullahi albarri rahim. اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لي اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم Oh Allah we ask you for your forgiveness and your mercy Oh Allah we ask you for your attention your blessing Oh Allah we ask you for your assistance and your facilitation your benevolence oh allah we want your benevolence oh allah we ask you to make this path to you easy for us oh allah accept us to be on your path and facilitate the path for us oh allah do not write us to be among the deprived ones oh allah do not write us to be among the forsaken ones oh allah if you have given us an ability to be here today and to speak about these things, to learn about these things. Oh Allah, we ask that you now make them a reality for all of us. Oh Allah, do not deprive us. Oh Allah, do not make these just mere words and good information. Oh Allah, allow us to be on your path and facilitate this for us. Oh Allah, we give ourselves up to our nafs day in and day out. Oh Allah, there are so many things that plague our nafs and our our hearts and our minds. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us from all forms of evil thoughts and desires. You give us immunity from these things. Oh Allah, we have the Hajj coming up. Those of us who are going for Hajj, oh Allah, make this a source of blessing. Oh Allah, make it easy and ex grant us acceptance. Those who are unable to go, oh Allah, grant them the tawfiq to go in the future and make them <coughs> be part of the du'as of those who do go. Oh Allah, <clears throat> we ask that you bless us in, our, in the knowledge that you have given us. Oh Allah, make us of those who practice upon their knowledge. Grant us blessing in what you have provided us of the dunya, of the world, of the wealth, of our families. Above all, oh Allah, protect our iman. Protect our iman and allow it to go from strength to strength. Increase our iman and increase our branches of faith. O oh Allah, increase our haya, increase our tawakkul, increase our love for you. O oh Allah, bless us in all of our permissible endeavors. O oh Allah, make us of those who remember you frequently. Allahumma ja'alna dhakkareena lak, shakkareena lak. Make us of those who frequently remember you and abundantly remember you and who are grateful to you and thankful to you. O oh Allah, you have given us more than so many others in this world. Oh Allah, how can we thank you? Oh Allah, at least allow us to thank you and not be ungrateful. Keep us away from israf and tabdeer of wasting and squandering the wealth, the very wealth that you have given us. Protect us from using it in your disobedience. Oh Allah, we have done so already. We are already guilty of this. Oh Allah, forgive us for this. Oh Allah, forgive us for all of our other sins. Oh Allah, whatever sin it may be, Oh Allah, these are the same sins that, may, that are most likely and that are most definitely causing problems in our life, in our relationships. 
O oh Allah, in our dealings, in our health, in our iman above all. O oh Allah, we ask you forgiveness from all of these things. We don't know what it is. But O oh Allah, we know we have sinned. We don't know which sin it is. But we know we've done many sins. O oh Allah, purify us completely. O oh Allah, allow us to do this suluk. Allow us the true understanding. And O oh Allah, allow us to reach you. And O oh Allah, allow us to be close to you. Grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. O oh Allah, remove from our minds the shackles that keep us away from your path. The misunderstandings, O oh Allah, the wrong ideas, psychological problems, O oh Allah, remove those from us. O oh Allah, remove any kind of outside influence that is evil upon us. Remove that, wherever it's coming from. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you make us independent of all everyone else. And we only rely upon you. O oh Allah, suffice us with the halal away from the haram. O oh Allah, protect us and our families and our progenies and the entire Muslim Ummah. O oh Allah, and grant us your, the kalima on our deathbed. Grant us the company of your Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O Allah, bless him abundantly. Bless him abundantly and allow us to be on his path until we die so that we can be in his company in the hereafter. O oh Allah, accept our du'as and send abundant blessings on him. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين